Welcome back to the island, friends. We got another loaded episode coming your way. We're going to recap Super Wild Card Weekend, breaking down all six matchups. We'll also break down Divisional Weekend, talking all four divisional matchups coming up this weekend. So keep a lock. Stay tuned. We got a lot of playoff football talk coming your way. And don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. Wildcard weekend is a wrap, folks, and welcome back to the island. Jay Sohoda, Bilal Lahi, some pretty crazy games this past weekend, and we're going to get set for another wild divisional weekend. I don't know if the matchups are as nice as the ones last year, but we'll get into all of that and a whole lot more. A lot to get to from wildcard weekend. Big upsets. Tom Brady is done. And now the questions start looming over the offseason. The Chargers blew a massive 27-0 lead, and the Minnesota Vikings are gone. And B was bang on with that prediction, predicting the Giants would get the upset. B, what's going on, brother? This was another pretty good wildcard weekend. So a, little, a little bit of everything. Some blowouts, some really good finishes, some really good games. We got a little bit of everything this weekend. Yo, I thought the games were way better than I, like, I thought they were going to be last week. I mean, last week, just looking at the slate... Some huge spreads on it, but it was like most of the games, I mean, were kind of competitive. Yeah, like you said, we got a little bit of everything. Um, too bad we got that stinker yesterday, though. Yeah, that was that was ironically the game that I thought would be the best one and the, and the closest one. And that was the one game that was the most one-sided out of all the games this past weekend. And we'll dive into that in a little bit with the Cowboys absolutely dominating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it's, it's almost as if, like... I think for the two teams that we weren't really sure who would show up were the Minnesota Vikings and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And all season long, we're like, we know who the Bucs are, but because they got Tom Brady, we'll have faith. The Vikings, it's like they keep winning, but we all felt like, nah, they're destined to fail. And what happened on wildcard weekend, when it counted, both of them are headed home on week on the first round of the NFL playoffs. Um, let's, let's start with last night and then we'll go to Saturday and then we'll go to Sunday. Let's start with this Cowboys Buccaneers matchup. The Cowboys won this game 31, 14 winning their first road playoff game since 1992 when they beat the 49ers. Ironically, that is who they'll be playing on Sunday in the divisional round. What a game. The Cowboys come in this game. They come off of two really shaky starts. Everybody's been talking about it against Tennessee and Washington. And then they come into Tampa and they just take it right to the Buccaneers. Like, this game was not close whatsoever. The Bucs did not get any momentum at all. I was really impressed by the Cowboys, but at the same time, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little more disappointed in the Buccaneers than I am of, like, damn, the Dallas Cowboys. I know a lot of people this morning are waking up and saying, damn, the Dallas Cowboys. Like, Dak Prescott, my lord, five touchdowns. That was quite a performance. But I'm still kind of looking at it like, damn, man, I guess the Bucs really were just that trash. Yeah, I mean, that's the I, – I still thought Tampa was going to win this game. Um, but the way Tampa – I mean, on the first two drives, Tampa's defense was just on fire. It was like two quick three and outs for Dallas, and that's kind of how I thought the game was going to be. But then I don't know what happened, man. It just slowed down for Prescott. This guy just caught fire. Um, and then the defense had a couple breakdowns too, and that helped them out. There was that C.D. Lamb one. But – Tampa literally in every single phase played terrible. Um, and then Dallas, I mean, except for Maher, played exceptional in every phase. Like, Dak was on fire. Pollard got – they. you notice they basically went away from Zeke. They're like, yo, the yeah. Pollard show. And then they pressured – I mean, they didn't get a sack till like, the fourth quarter, but they pressured everything. Michael Parsons was all over the place. They're, Mike Evans could not get any separation. They're – Every pass was like maybe six or seven yards deep max. I mean, the defense was just on point too. I think the the Cowboys were like just firing on all cylinders. Oh, 100%. 100%. And it kind of started off a little rusty for both teams. But once the Cowboys got that their first solid drive on the board, they just didn't look back after that. And Dak Prescott, like you said, got off to a rusty start. But once he settled in, was fantastic all all night long. I think for Tampa Bay, you kind of have to chop it up too, and it's kind of been the story all year long offensively. They just can't run the football. 
And in this game, I, I got to give a lot of the credit to the Cowboys more so than saying the Bucs can't run the ball. I thought the Cowboys did a tremendous job of stopping the run. This defense was awesome all night long. Secondary was great. Micah Parsons doing Micah Parsons things. The Cowboys defense was on point. But when you run the ball for 52 yards only, you're not. And then on top of that, I think they got away from it because they were trailing by so much. And then you're like, damn, now we have to throw the ball. Tom Brady threw the ball. 66 times 66 times bro like that's four passes away from throwing the ball 70 times that is absurd I know he's Tom Brady but at 45 years old this ain't the same gunslinger who was throwing this many times back in Super Bowl 51 against the Falcons like this is not the same dude like Tom Brady was throwing some of his throws were were like lame ducks out there like it just was not it was not smooth sailing. They couldn't run the ball. They Then they just started force-feeding it, and it just did not work. Dallas controlled the clock. They got that one turnover in the red zone in the beginning of that game, I thought was a huge momentum shifter in that game because Tampa goes down and scores. That was a good draft they put together. And then you turn it over, Dallas goes right down the field, and they score a touchdown. But, yeah, I'm with you. The Cowboys, phenomenal in all phases, offense, defense. Well, special teams a little questionable with Brad Maher. I don't know what in the hell was going on there. There's seriously weird stuff going on there. But other than that, Dallas looked great, man. And now that opens the can of worms of what is next for TB12. But, I mean, that's a story for the offseason. Yeah, the Tampa side of this, I mean, that was kind of like the, the squad that they've been all year, right? But, you know, what's funny is all year everybody's been – trashing you know the play common they've been they couldn't get the running game going all year but every single time um they went no huddle or at the end of the games or at the end of the halves it was no huddle and it was basically brady calling the shots and then later in this game it's like maybe the third quarter they start picking up the tempo brady goes no huddle and they get a couple scoring guys and they're at least moving the ball i it took me i was like why did it take you so long to even get to this no huddle like you should have been doing this picking up the pace um, right before the half ended on uh, something. It took them way too long, in my opinion. I mean, the the play calling yesterday, and then even, like, Mike Evans and Brady were just not even close on the same page. Lenny Fournette's wearing a playoff Lenny shirt, and he, he didn't show up at all. And Godwin was trying to get fired up for everything, and nothing has happened. It was just a whole mess. The, the, the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. No, they couldn't. Again, the first two possessions, they were fantastic. And after that, it was over. Um, Dalton Schultz has, has really become quite the red zone threat for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, he's going to be something that he's going to be something that my Niners D is going to have to worry about. We'll get to that matchup later on. Um, but yeah, Dallas looks great. Tampa, on the other hand, it's, it's going to be a long offseason for them because now, obviously, it's another offseason of where the hell is Tom Brady going? Is he retiring? Is he playing for another team? Is he coming back? A whole offseason full of question marks there. I'm going to I'm gonna say one more thing about Tampa before moving on here. I don't spend too much time on this team. But at the beginning of the season, we weren't really sure what the coaching change was going to make. And we thought that they probably wouldn't miss a beat with Todd Bowles. I hate to say it, but mm-hmm. I got to put a little bit of onus on this because Todd Bowles taking over, you saw a change in this team. And I noticed last night, Troy Aikman kind of, I think it was either Buck or Aikman, one of them mentioned it, and they're like, Todd Bowles tends to be more on the conservative side. That is a complete polar opposite opposite from what B.A. used to do. He was the whole risk it for the biscuit type thing, going for it on fourth down, taking deep shots, and the Buccaneers offense thrived off of that. They were fantastic. They were making plays. They were letting Brady take more control of the offense. It was still Byron Leftwich calling the offensive plays, so you would think that I'm with you. They would have still let Brady go no huddle and let him do what he does, but they didn't. They were more conservative. They weren't taking a lot of chances downfield. There was a whole lot of screen passes, and I didn't know what the hell was going on there. They weren't really pushing the ball downfield, but Todd Bowles going 8-9 and nine with a loaded Tampa Bay team. I know they dealt with a lot of injuries all year, but 8-9, and nine, man... Not not a good look, and I feel horrible because I love Todd Bowles, and I want this guy to get a head coach, a head coaching position. But going eight and nine with a loaded Tampa Bay roster, not a good look, especially for when Bruce Arians, you know how he was, and they made the playoffs twice. They won twelve plus or eleven plus games in both seasons. 
quite the drop off that I think I wasn't expecting. I think some people saw it happen. Not a lot of us actually thought it was going to happen. And now it actually happened. But I don't know what the hell happened there because there was the offseason story of Brady and B.A. didn't get along. But then it's like, but then you do this, this season. You know what I mean? So I don't know. The t- Tampa, we're going to be talking about them all offseason. We can stop talking about them now. Um, but the Cowboys are moving on. Big win for Mike McCarthy. I thought Kellen Moore also did a fantastic yeah, he job. Was, he was amazing. Yeah, I re- like I, I love seeing creativity on offense in any team, any coach. And I thought using Connor McGovern, a backup O-lineman as a fullback, was so unique and creative. I admired the hell out of it. It was different. They shook up the offensive line, which you don't see every day because, you know, you want to keep your same five guys that you've been using all year. They went out on a limb. They put the veteran Jason Peters out at right tackle, shook the whole thing up, using McGovern at fullback, and it worked. I got to give Dallas Cowboys a lot of credit there. McCarthy and Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn as well, the whole coaching staff, big, big win for that team. But we'll see what they can do. A, a tall task awaits against the 49ers. Let's go on Saturday against Seattle. I ain't going to lie, bro. I was shook at halftime. I, I was, was going to. I was straight up going to ask. You were worried for a little bit. I halftime. was stressing. I was stressing at halftime. I'm not going to lie. I was sh- I was shocked. And I got to give Seattle a lot of credit. They they didn't shy away from the moment. Gino played great. He was awesome in that first half. I thought the game plan was great. They had our defense on our toes. They were doing everything right. They were running the ball. They controlled the, the time of possession. They were doing everything right. And I was like, shoot, like this is, whoa. Like I didn't expect this. We got off to a hot 10 nothing lead. And then all of a sudden, you got Gino throwing a DK on a 50-yard bomb, and you're like, oh, no. But then the second half, the, the Niners team that we've seen for the last, like, 12 weeks showed up, and it was, it was over from there. And it was that one turnover, the strip sack, Bosa recovered, and ever since that play, the game was over. The Seahawks were driving at that point, too. They were on, like, the Niners 20. They go and they score. We got a back-and-forth kind of game here. Niners get the strip sack. They go downfield, and it was over after that. I mean, you guys are so ridiculous. Their squad is just crazy. Um, but the love for, like, yo, Purdy has to be, like, I think I can't even compare this to anything because this dude just doesn't miss. Like, he has such a swagger and a comp to him. If I'm in your spot, I mean, like, I, I get you don't even want to think about this right now. You want to let it ride, but I'm like, yo, this is my guy. Like, I'm, I'm over the other dudes. This is my guy. Like, he's won me over so crazy. And he hasn't even had he hasn't had a bad game yet yet, and he's just like he looks like a vet, a straight up vet doing this stuff. The kid's incredible. The kid's incredible. Like I literally, I'm I literally have no words for Brock Purdy. Like this kid, I'm I'm sitting here thinking everybody was sitting here thinking it's over when Garoppolo went down, right? It's over. Like if the Niners just win the division and make it to last weekend, it's an accomplishment. Considering Kyle Shanahan has done so poorly without Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Brock Purdy has just been unbelievable. Like you just you don't see it up. You do sometimes you do see a backup quarterback come in and the team doesn't miss a beat. But Brock Purdy is not coming in here and being like, I'm just getting the job done. This dude's Banana mobility, show. his poise in the pocket, his ability like dude is doing. I hate to make this comparison because it's not quite there yet. But you see this guy scrambling in the pocket, he looks like Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. It's ridiculous. And he's still making throws. It's incredible what Purdy does. He didn't, the first half, he looked more like this is a quarterback making his first ever playoff start. But the way he was able to rebound and handle the adversity and come out in the second half and fire on all cylinders, the kid is exceptional, man. He, he honestly has changed this team. It's crazy how when we thought when Garoppolo goes down, Purdy comes in, we're like, oh man, that's such a tough blow. And instead, it's like, holy crap, the Niners are even better. Like that, like who Straight the up. hell, who the hell would have thought that? I would have never thought that. And I watch this team every damn Sunday. I never would have thought that. I know in preseason, I was like, yo, this this kid Purdy's pretty good. Like he can sling the rock. But I'm thinking, you know, back up for jet, you know, back up for the next five, six years type deal. It's not anymore. Now I'm thinking. I'm with you. Like, like, how the hell do you get away from this? You know what I'm saying? No, like, no, he's your guy. Like, again, you gotta, we gotta wait and see what happens the rest of the postseason here. Like, it's still a little bit early to make the case, but like, if this continues, I don't see how you, how you can't. No, and even, it, even if it don't, though, like, like you guys are averaging like 
30, I think 34 a game with him as your starter. It's ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Like, honestly, in the six years since Kyle Shanahan has taken over, all the hype has been, what is Shanahan going to do with this offense? How are they going to? And he, he slowly, they started building and building and building and building. And then this year, especially when they got McCaffrey, it's like, now we got the pieces. We got the wide receiver one with Ayuk. We got, you know, the ultimate weapon in Debo. We got our running back in McCaffrey. We got the O-line anchored with Trent Williams. We got Kyle Juszczyk at fullback. And now you got Brock Purdy at quarterback. It's like when you put in, and this is what people, it's funny. You know what, B? This might be the most craziest quote that I don't, I haven't heard a lot of people say it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it here. Brock Purdy's doing what we thought Trey Lance mm-hmm. was Straight going up. to do at the beginning of the year. This is what everyone thought. Put a mobile athletic quarterback in this offense. Holy shit, they're going to be unstoppable. Him, exhibit A, here it is. Brock Purdy's literally doing that. He's just, he may not look the part of Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a lot more bigger and stronger and more like physical that way. Purdy's a little smaller, but like, dude, this dude doesn't give a damn. Like, I don't think a lot of people might know the story from that Seahawks game when they clinched the division on Thursday night. He played that game with broken ribs on a short week and did not throw all week and played that game and won the division. Dude is a warrior, man. Absolute warrior. I rate this kid. Yeah, I mean, how can you not? And the Trey Lance thing was like, uh, what would they score? Like nine points or something against Chicago? Like the offense was not See, even close. I never, I never felt that way about Trey Lance. Trey Lance started four or five games for the Niners, and I and we never... were just kind of like, yo, wait and see. Like, yes, yeah, like, whatever. Like it's whatever. But this dude comes in and like you instant. Honestly, even if he, let's say he has the worst game you could imagine against Dallas, he's shown you in one game. More than Trey Lance has ever done. He's shown you more explosiveness in one game than Jimmy G has ever shown you. Like, the upside seems like it's even higher than those two guys. So, I mean, I don't even know how you can go away from it. But, I I mean, if I'm you, I'm thinking, like, our team is so stacked. If we were to lose, you would think it's because of a seventh-round rookie. But, like, I, I can't even think. Like, I would have so much trust in my seventh-round rookie. I got this team's got all the trust in the world. I'm telling you, I've seen Kyle Shanahan and I see it when I was too caught up in winning with Jimmy Garoppolo. Everyone else saw the limitations and how this offense was with Jimmy. I was too caught up in the fact that we sucked for so long. We only win with Jimmy and that's why he's my guy. And I love Jimmy. You know that like that's my dude. But ever since Brock Purdy stepped in, I haven't thought a single like second of Garoppolo. I'm, I'm thinking about this dude getting signed by the Jets in the offseason. But I don't mind. Garoppolo might come back as the backup. I might feel a little bit safer than with Josh Johnson as my backup. But like, I see the difference. When Garoppolo was starting, we're kicking field goals more. We're not going for it as much. We're not taking deep shots. Purdy comes in. Shanahan is being 10 times more aggressive, which I haven't seen in the six years that he's been the head coach of the Niners. They're going for it more often. They're throwing more often. They're taking more chances, and that's something that this offense hasn't been able to do. This is how you're going to play with a Kansas City Chiefs, play with a Buffalo Bills, play with a Cincinnati Bengals, play with a Philadelphia Eagles, play with the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. You got to be able to take chances, and now they're doing that, and that's why this offense has been so unbelievably successful. Mind you, when you got McCaffrey and Debo going for 100 apiece, that's not exactly that's that's making defense's life an absolute hell. Uh, yeah, I mean the the one thing I mean I don't I don't know how I mean how much this matters, but I was seeing some of the uh, advanced stats and whatever, and they're saying that basically your weakness is you're you can be thrown on over the top, and like Mech kind of went wild. He and did. If you're playing the Cowboys, that could be you know an issue and. Um, with the way they're slinging it around, but like this team is just straight up stacked, man. At the end of the day, this is what I'm saying about this defense. They don't got to be as dominant as they've been all year. But if you just come up with the one play, one play that can change the momentum of a game and swing it the other way, that's what's going to win you. It happens every single year. And every year we break down the Super Bowl. It's the same thing we talk about. In the playoffs, you got to come up with that play. Like you just said, 
DK Metcalf destroyed Charverius Ward. I'll give it to him. He won that matchup. I was looking forward to that matchup. DK Metcalf ate him for lunch. Charverius Ward got to get ready because he got to deal with CD Lamb on Sunday. That's not going to be an easy matchup. But yeah, the secondary needs to get better. But this defense still came up with that one big play, and that's what changed the momentum. That's all the Niners got to do. And any defense that, for the rest of the play, it could be Jacksonville's defense looks good. They've also come up with big momentum-changing plays. Buffalo's done it. The Giants have done it. All these teams have done it. But that's how you win in the playoffs is you don't have to But as long as you come up with that one momentum-changing play, that's what changes everything. But we'll talk about the Niners more with the Cowboys matchup. I want to give Seattle a little bit of attention here before we kind of move on. Unbelievable season. I thought Geno had an unbelievable first half. I think he deserves to win comeback player of the year. I, I, honestly, this team exceeded the expectations. They got to the playoffs. It is pretty, pretty great what they were able to do. Yeah, I mean, Kenneth Walker might win rookie of the year too. Um, it was like there, there was a straight up house money. Like they, they were supposed to be among the worst teams in the league. I think I might have picked them to be the worst team in the league too. You did. Um, but Pete Carroll, man, he just finds a way to get these teams competitive, and like everybody, like always buys into that dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And I, I don't know how much more time that that dude got left, but I mean, he he keeps his team fighting, and I and I rate that. That's what he does. But hey. We beat him three times. Feels kind of nice to beat them three times. But I mean, it was it was a pretty good year, and I admire Seattle for fighting. Honestly, I watched the way Seattle played that game, and I looked at the Vikings losing to the Giants, and I'm like, if Seattle played Minnesota. I honestly think they could have beaten them too. Like it wasn't like it was just like the Niners just caught fire at some point. But Seattle gave them a little bit of a run for their money, so mm-hmm. I kind of expected that. But we'll talk about Seattle more in the off season, see where they're going. It looks like they're probably going to stick with Geno, but hey. They got the fifth pick in the draft. So that'll be a little bit interesting to see. Do they go quarterback? Do they go with another foundational piece on the D-line, the O-line? We'll see what they do there. Um, Jaguars, char- Jaguars charges. Oh, my Lord. I mean, this was this was, this was a roller coaster event, man. I, I want to hear your take on this game because you have been so skeptical of the Los Angeles Chargers for the last two years this game had to be like the biggest, like only the Chargers would be a culprit of this nonsense. Dude, only the Chargers would be. And it even started the week before in a meaningless game when they're playing all their starters and Mike Williams gets hurt. He can't play in this game. Bosa got dinged up in that game too. And they're like, yo, already you're just costing yourself. What are you doing? Why are you? Mike Williams is straight up glass already. Why is he playing in a meaningless game? And and this game, man, I can't even, I can't even. I'm not even really like. If there was a team to do this, it was gonna be the Chargers. And I'm surprised. I see all the notifications today that the OC and the quarterback coach got fired. And I was kept refreshing. I'm like, yo, when is it Staley's turn? But Honest. I guess he's sticking around. Honestly, I that screwed up. That screwed them up big time. Losing Mike Williams is was was huge for this team, but. This has to go down to coaching. Like, how can it not be? You blew a 27-point lead to the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence literally handed you a win on a silver platter in that first half and said, here, take it. Go to Kansas City. And instead, they were like, no, 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 no. It's okay. You take it. And the Jaguars are like, okay, sure. And they took it and they ran with it and they ended up winning the game. I don't understand it. And I honestly don't understand why Brandon Staley still has a job, to be honest. Like, I think he's a great coordinator, but he hasn't done anything, anything for me to say that, like, he, his job should be safe. Because the Chargers, I've said it. You've been hella skeptical of them. I've been more trying to show more faith in them because I think this roster, when you look at it, is way, way too talented mm-hmm. for, one, not making the playoffs last year, and then, two, giving up a 27, but they looked amazing in the first half. I'm thinking, oh, this Chargers-Chiefs divisional matchup is going to be awesome, ridiculous, another part to this crazy rivalry. And instead, Jacksonville decides to pull off the improbable. Like, I I never would have thought that would happen, but at the same time, I'm like, only the damn LA Chargers would, would do some kind of nonsense like this. Only the Chargers would do this. Blow a 27-point lead to the Jaguars, who have, like, a roster full of guys who have like little to no playoff experience. They got an amazing head coach. We'll get to in a second. Who's a Super Bowl champion, but a team that's like, we're just trying to get playoff experience and move on. You know, Trevor Lawrence, he, you know, 
threw four interceptions, but he'll learn for next year. You know, it's a it's a grow, it's a stepping stone in his career. Instead, Trevor Lawrence just decided to be like, nah, man, you you gave us ammunition, we're just gonna come back and win it. Now, Trevor Lawrence got to do a whole lot better because if he wants to go head-to-head with Patrick Mahomes, four interceptions is not, You should not be able – like, this doesn't happen often. Like, you don't throw four interceptions and win a game in the playoffs. Like, this is all on the Chargers. I don't want to make that mistake here. But the how the Jaguars fought back in this game, how they didn't give up, they managed to still come in this game. Trevor Lawrence didn't give up. Doug freaking Peterson did it again, man. He did it again. Yo, okay, there's a lot that I got to get to in this game because it was 27-0, and I was like, yo, Jamal, you want you can change the channel if you want. I'm not watching this anymore. Same, and, literally and then, same. And then he's like, no, nah, I don't want to watch it. Anymore. Okay, it was just on in the background noise, and then it was like 27-7. Then this kept crapping up. But the thing was, after a couple of those picks, they kept – the Jaguars' D was actually kind of holding them to three, right? And it was like after a few of them. And it was holding him to three, and then it was like 27-10 and whatever. But Trevor Lawrence's first couple picks weren't even his fault. Then this dude just caught straight heat, man. He was just on fire in the second half, like throwing rockets. And then you have, I think they scored, and it was 30-20. to And the Jaguars scored. It's 30-26. to Then there's two big calls Peterson makes, right? He makes that. That fourth and one call, which was yeah. everybody thought was going to be a quarterback sneak, and they get it to Etienne. He, he awesome just play call. Awesome uses play call. his speed. Then he does the – they go for two on the – it's 30-26. They go for two, and it's Trevor Lawrence is what? Six foot seven just reaches over the top of that. They get the two-point conversion. And now instead of being down three, they're down two, and they can win the game when they get the ball back because, you know, all the momentum is going to be on their side. I don't think – um Chargers are even going to move it at that point. So Peterson had the crazy guts. Like the coaching mismatch was ridiculous. You had oh, Peterson, 100%. Crazy guts that way. Her, I mean, Trevor Lawrence catches fire. And then on the Chargers side, I'm like, yo, in the first half, Austin Eckler was doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Why is he getting like whatever it was, five or six touches the whole rest of the second half while you're trying to protect the lead up 30? It's a great question. Like, I, I honestly, going back to the coaching thing, I agree. You're up 27 points. Absolutely no sense whatsoever. And Eckler was tearing them up. Back to Doug Peterson. I agree with you. When they went for two, I was like, whoa. I was like, what are you? Like, yo, just, just take the one and, like, you know, take the field goal, go to overtime. Doug Peterson was like, no, screw that. We're going for the win. I rate that so much. Not just what one, I'm thinking – as much as I was saying, what are you doing? I was also like, this is so Doug Peterson. Like, he is always the aggressive coach trying to go for the win, go for two, going for it on fourth down. That is Doug Peterson. And going to the playoffs with an Eagles team that had a lot more playoff experience and talent than in the winning the Super Bowl, much different than going to, the, going to the playoffs with a Jaguars team who's 9-8, and eight, barely made the playoffs. Yes, they've been playing really good football late. And have little to no playoff experience. But yet Doug Peterson called the game the same way he would have with the Eagles that he did with the Jaguars. And I love that because he's showing belief in this young squad that I believe that you guys can go out there and win that game. He believed in Trevor Lawrence. He believed in this offense, believed in this defense. And they went out there and got a win. I agree with you. The coaching matchup in, in this game was not even close. The Chargers by far had the better football team but the Jaguars had the better coach. And it came down to this game where I don't want to say that, yes, the Chargers had the more talent because the Jaguars, honestly, the Jaguars are really talented. They are. And I've said that all year long. I just didn't think I, they exceeded expectations. I just think they, they, didn't, they wouldn't make the playoffs and get an above 500 record. But I still thought they were a good team. But the fact that Doug Peterson showed that belief in them, they went out and got a win and they came back, that says something. Like, I don't think, I don't think they'll beat the Chiefs. But I don't think they're going to go away quietly. Like, they will fight hard at Arrowhead Stadium on Saturday against Kansas City. I, I Honestly, the Jaguars, it's a cool story. It's a real cool story. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence, man, I think he's here now. Like, last year, you could have you could have drawn up, not have drawn up a worse possible start to your career. But now he's got a legit coach, which I don't even know why Peterson was ever on the market on some real stuff. But, like, 100%. he's there. 
And now they're they get they're playing with house money. They get a playoff win. And now you're gonna see this week Trevor Lawrence is, is gonna be playing so confident the way he ended that last game, so free. Nobody's expecting him to go into KC and win that game. Like he's gonna this is it. Like he's here now and he's he's gonna be put in that same conversation as Herbert. Honestly, I think he's I honestly think he should. I mean, for God's sakes, he just beat Justin Herbert in a playoff matchup. Trevor Lawrence's record is better than Justin Herbert's right now. Mm-hmm. I would too, honestly. And Trevor Lawrence in this game, like you just said, dude has never be, has never lost a college or pro level Yo, high school he's game. He's a winner, man. A on straight a Saturday. Up winner. On Saturday. He has never, ever lost a game on a Saturday. And they're playing Kansas City on Saturday. Yo, he is a straight up winner. Remember even like, they were saying, yo, he never lost a game in college. He never lost a game in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, he, the first time he lost as a Jacksonville Jaguar was the first time he lost since, like, middle school. Like, that dude is a straight-up winner. Doug Peterson's a winner. Like, you put two winners in the same room, you're going to win games, man. And games are not supposed to win like that one. And like we talked about two weeks ago, too, at the end of the season, you look at the AFC South, Texans are in a deep rebuild. Colts are heading in a rebuild. Tennessee is kind of just stuck in the middle of nowhere. This is kind of Jacksonville's division for the next few years. Like, none of those three teams, I think, can touch what the Jaguars have, and especially knowing in year one what they've accomplished. This team looks good, man. Trevor Lawrence turned into Clemson Trevor Lawrence on on Saturday, and that's that's scary, honestly. And like you said, him and Peterson— that's something, man. That's, and this defense, do not sleep on yep. Jacksonville's defense because they will come up with a play when you need them to. They got big stops all game. Like, every time you're down so much, you basically need to stop every time. Oh, they yeah. held them to three points the whole second half. Yeah, it was impressive. Real, real impressive. So the Jaguars will move on. We'll talk about the Chargers later this offseason, I guess. Um, but the Jaguars will move on. They'll go to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs on Saturday. They'll be the first game at 4.30. On to Sunday, Bills-Dolphins was the early slate. I got to say, I did not expect the Miami Dolphins nope. to fight. I did nope. not expect them. I got to give a crap ton of credit to Mike McDaniel for getting these guys ready. Skylar Thompson actually managed to move the ball downfield. Sorry. But Buffalo still was too much at the end. Yo, Skylar Thompson played decent. I mean, Tyreek Hill and Waddle kind of sold, honestly. They dropped a lot of balls um, that they needed to catch. But this game was way closer than any of us thought it was going to be. And I think um, if I'm Buffalo, you have so many concerns, man. Because this is a couple weeks in a row when teams that have no business moving the ball are scoring on you. The Patriots scored like they were moving the ball on them at the last week of the year. Had no business doing that. The Dolphins with a third-string quarterback, are putting up 31, right? And now Josh Allen is just turning the rock over. I think he led, I think he was second in the league on turnovers this year, interceptions and fumbles, man. I think there's some real concern here. I'm like, if the Dolphins are putting up 31, since he might put up 45, like seriously. They very well could. And this is a, a really big concern for the Buffalo Bills because this was the problem last year. You had, what was it, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever it was. 13 seconds left to get one stop, and you couldn't do it. You just gave up 31 points to the Dolphins' third-string quarterback. You let him throw for 220 yards. They couldn't run the ball for crap. Like, they literally, and this is a team where they they thrive off running the football. They couldn't do it for crap. But they still managed to move the ball, and that defense— Miami's defense came up with some big stops. They got two two turnovers in that wall. Well, few, it was more than they got two picks, but they mm-hmm. got the strip sack too for took it back for a touchdown. Miami's defense was on point in this game. Buffalo's turning over the rock. They're giving up thirty plus points. There's a lot of concerns here, and then you got a Bengals team that's coming in. They're red hot. I don't know, man. This is a Bengals defense that's playing good football too right now. I'm with you. Buffalo's got a lot of concerns right now, and this is not really what you wanted to hear going into divisional weekend where their season ended a year ago a year ago they played a red hot kc team now they're playing a red hot cincinnati team having said that this game is at home if that has to you know that goes to show with anything but still buffalo i agree they got a lot to worry about here this is not a you know walk in the park thing and and how they played with the dolphins is still a little i don't know man interesting 
Yeah, I feel like if two, uh, if we had a healthy two on this game, maybe it could have been almost. Could have gone the I other mean, way. They, like I feel the Buffalo that started the year and their defense was just like killing teams. I mean that Von Miller man is just Killer. really, really missed on this team because they can't stop anybody. Um, and it's just you would have thought like yo all off season their focus is on defense. They get Von Miller. I mean, but that's secondary, man. Like, how is it? That is not. How did you not bulletproof that? Like, you thought that you lost in 13 seconds, man. I'm I'm throwing truckloads of money at all these dudes in the uh, at corner and safety. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. I'm totally in agreement with that. It's just they just they just weren't able to move the. They just weren't able to do anything. And then Buffalo, like they got lucky. Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs both go for over 100 yards. So there's that. Um, but either, but other than that, it's like you're you're gonna need more from that, and you can't turn the ball over. And they turn the ball over, so I still have some concerns for with the Bills. But the Dolphins, I gotta give a lot of credit to yeah. them. They came a in golf clap for sure. Yeah, they came in. They they fought hard, dropping 31 points in a game where I thought nobody thought they stood a chance. I re- I respect that. And Mike McDaniel had these guys ready to play. Mm. Um, to the big the big one here. I re- the Bengals Ravens game was interesting too, but. The Giants did it, man. I they actually did it. Like I, I'm not. I don't want to say I'm shocked. I was like surprised in the beginning. I was like, wow, they actually pulled it off. But I was more so being like, well, damn. I guess we got our answer on the Minnesota Vikings. No, I mean, dude, the we. This is like the biggest story. One of the more like under the radar stories to me is how good Daniel Jones has been this year. With Brian Dable, like Brian Dable's turning him into Josh Allen light, basically, with the way he he just balled out like on Sunday, three hundred, two touchdowns, and he's doing this with like no weapons on the outside either, like no weapons, and Bo is playing with so much confidence. This is a dude that would like when Jason Garrett was there, we're like, yo, is this guy even gonna be a starter next year? Now this year he's gonna get paid. Like he's been balling this year. He he definitely outplayed Kirk Cousins to me. Daniel Jones, and I didn't even this game, but I saw the highlights. Daniel Jones was fantastic. I did not know what to think about Danny Dimes in his first playoff game. Dude has been under the microscope for what has it been? Four years? Five years? I don't yeah, even know how many. I mean, it's a lot. like it. He's been there for a minute, and we just never knew was he the guy for the Giants? Like, what is he the guy? Like. Little did we know, he just needed the right guy in the room to get him playing good football. I don't know if you heard the story out of New York, but apparently what happened was Brian Dable purposely gave Daniel Jones different play calls or gave Daniel Jones' play calls to the defense so they knew exactly what was happening to make it harder on Daniel Jones. And they gave Tyrod Taylor easier play calls to make things look good. Daniel Jones took that as a as a challenge and was like, well, shit. And he ended up playing harder. Dable purposely tried to make practices harder for Daniel Jones to make him thrive, and it worked. Took a little bit of tough love, He's not turning the man. ball over either, though. Look, Remember, like, the last couple of years, this dude's leading the league in fumbles every year. He's just super careless with it. He's not even doing that either. I see. Like, I trust him. I straight up trust him with a rock. Well, Brian Dable, forget forget what Brian Dable's done as a head coach with the Giants and coach of the year, winning a playoff game, yada yada yada. They're they're nine and seven and one. Like, let's not hold the horse that they won thirteen games here. But what he did with Daniel Jones and transforming him into what could be a franchise quarterback, tremendous, unbelievable. Like you just said, three hundred yards, outplaying Kirk Cousins. Cousins has been here, done that. He's just like his third or fourth trip to the postseason. It's the same damn Kirk Cousins. Daniel Jones comes in here in his first playoff debut, throws 300 yards in a dome in a hostile environment on America's Game of the Week, throws two touchdowns, and runs for 78 yards more than Saquon Barkley. That is an incredible job by Danny Dimes. I'm honestly, I'm, I'm insanely impressed with what he did. And honestly, I don't think it's far-fetched to say he's not going to be scared to go into Philadelphia. And then another point is, like you just said, he is, no offense, no offense to the New York Giants supporting cast. But outside of Saquon Barkley, they don't have nobody. He is throwing to, 
Isaiah Hodgins. Have not heard of this guy once all year long. Darius Slayton, who's decent, but still not exactly a household name. Richie James, who used to be the lead kick returner for the Niners for the last three, four seasons. That is who this guy's throwing to. And the Giants dropped 31 points against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and he most of those um rushing guards were like straight up um not even designed. Like this dude was just like, you know, coming out the pocket and just getting five or six a, a he, run. He's a runner. No, he I he's literally Josh Allen light. I'm telling you. Like this is remember Josh Allen's first two years and like I mean nobody thought he was gonna be the star like this, but Brian Dable is in there and he just you know, fine tunes him, unleashes some next stuff and then now we know who Josh Allen is, but like, this is uh, is Brian Dable the new quarterback whisperer? Or what's going on here? I mean, on the Minnesota side, though, Brian Dable was the offensive coordinator for Josh Allen, which is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he he, he very well could be. He's the quarterback whisperer, man. If you're white and athletic, get that dude on your squad. <laughs> if if Kirk Cousins, though, this is this was the most Kirk Cousins ending I've ever seen. Fourth and eight or whatever it was, and you throw it a three-yard pass at TJ Hawkinson, who's draped all over, and there's no chance of getting beyond the sticks. Yeah, no, 100% with that. Um, as for, for the Vikings, man, like, I don't even really want to waste time. It's not even for time's sake, but, like, they were who we thought they were, man. Like, they were, they were a 13-win team. They were, but, like, I think they got caught with a bad matchup. With the Giants, knowing that they played them a few weeks ago, the Giants had them. It literally took a 61-yard field goal to beat them. I think the Giants knew. They told themselves, and they're probably like, we can beat these punks. And they did it. They went back in, and they're like, we just beat you when it mattered. And for the Vikings, it's like, well, now you got an offseason full of questions. Like, this defense was horrendous down the stretch of the season at points in time. Like, they were not good at all. They got to retool that. The offense was good, but... Kevin O'Connell's also got to check himself too. Like, yeah, winning 13 games, winning the division, awesome. But, like, you were under fire all year long. Like, not once did anybody trust this football team and everybody was right about it. Not a good look for them. But for the Giants, same thing with the Jaguars. Like, who the hell would have thought be the Jaguars and Giants would mm-hmm. be playing? I'll tell you one person who's looking down smiling, and that's Tom Coughlin. The two of, two of his teams, Jaguars mm-hmm. and Giants. Um but my lord, something else. And then to round it out, Ravens Bengals Sunday night. This game was nuts. I mean, I gotta, I gotta say, this is another game. I didn't think Baltimore was gonna give much of a fight, but I underestimated. I, I did though. You did, for all the right reasons, and I should have went with you because I underestimated John Harbaugh in the playoffs. They're always gonna give a fight. As long as that dude's the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, this team has a good defense. They're going to run the football. They're going to do what they do. Tyler Huntley played very good. They shot themselves in the foot many times, but they had also multiple opportunities to win this football game. They did. They had it right there. The Bengals, it was not not the greatest game by them. I got to give a lot of credit to the Ravens. But when time came, that defense came up with arguably the play of the season so far. I was going to say, is that like one of the most momentum that's got to be a top five or ten momentum changing play i've ever seen like they're baltimore's gonna go up yeah and it flips the field completely like that is uh, I've, i don't even think i've never even seen anything like that before football especially playoff football is all about momentum it's all about momentum if you have things going your way you're gonna have you know what i'm saying you're gonna be hard to stop but the defense, like I said at the top of the episode, defenses just need to come up with that one stop. I don't know how you're going to do it, where you're going to do it, when you're going to do it. You come up with that one stop, that's the difference between winning and losing in the NFL playoffs. And the Cincinnati Bengals, that is a play that will be remembered for years. That was something else. Not even the actual pick six, but the way that the d I don't even remember who it was. It was DJ Reader it was somebody who just gets up bats the ball mm-hmm. in the Hubbard's hand. Like that to me was the even better play than the actual pick six was yeah. the of how it happened. And like you just said, Tyler Huntley diving into the end zone. He goes, he scores. We're tied. Ravens have momentum. Now Bengals are on ice. Instead, 
the Bengals get a unthinkable 98-yard fumble recovery for touchdown, and then the Bengals end up winning and moving on to the divisional round. It's crazy. Yeah, that game, I mean, um, I think since he lost another O-lineman in that game, too, so they're down We got to talk about that, man. Three O-linemen, which um, we'll get to when we talk about these previews right now. Yeah, facts, and and that is something I want to talk about. I'll wait a quick minute before we get to that game, but that is huge. Like, to think that we went from last year, Bengals go to the Super Bowl, we're like, God damn, they really, they really need to, to get this O-line in shape here because they lost that game to the Rams because the, the Rams D-line just ate them for dinner. Then they go, they, they retooled this whole O-line. They got off to a bit of a shaky start. Then they started to, to hit their stride. They lose Lyle Collins, brutal, for the season. Then you got their other guard, Alex Kappa, dinged up with an ankle. Not good. And now you got Jonah Williams, who's been there for a few years. He's now dinged up. And now all of a sudden you're sitting here as your Cincinnati, and you're like, shit, we're back to square one in the divisional playoffs. Crazy. Crazy to think that. But we'll get to that in a sec. Let's start with Jags Chiefs here. Um, we went on a whole thing about the Jags here. I honestly think, I honestly do think they're going to give a fight with KC, but I just think KC's just too much at home. It's just, it's going to come down to, to experience. And obviously who the hell are you going to try? You're going to Patrick Mahomes, who's been in four straight AFC championships or Trevor, Trevor Lawrence has played in some big games. I don't want to like overshadow that here. Trevor Lawrence has played us a bit. This dude's played in national championships. He's now had a playoff experience under his belt. He had a division championship under his belt. Like, he's been in big games. So this is not like playing at Arrowhead with a chance to go to an AFC championship. This is not anything new to Trevor Lawrence. But I just think the Chiefs' experience is just going to be too much here. But the coaching matchup, this is a damn good coaching matchup. Doug, Doug Peterson against Andy Reid, this is a damn good coaching matchup. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be... Um... Doug Peterson ain't holding nothing back in this one. He's letting it all loose. Kitchen sink um, game. With Trevor Lawrence for sure. I think um, – I do think it'll be like – I was it Houston? Who was it? Or maybe it was the Titans a couple years ago when um, one of those teams were up at halftime against the Chiefs and we're like, wow, are they really doing this? And both. The Chiefs... Both. Tennessee and Houston. Were it, was both the same, it was the same playoffs, right? It was like back-to-back yes. games. Yes, right? it was. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's going to be one of those games where, like, the Jaguars are going to kind of stick around for, like, the first half, maybe even be up. And I'm like, oh, wow, are they really going to lose this game? And then the Chiefs will just turn it on. Yep. No, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. I got KC in this one by 9, 29-20. I think the Jaguars will stick around for a little bit. But Mahomes in the postseason just too much. I just think. The Jaguars defense, they're going to give them a hard time. Like KC, they tend to kind of struggle in the first half. But once Mahomes gets going, man, and then once Kelsey gets going, it's just, it's over. It's over after that. And I think this squad's either going to be hosting yet another AFC championship game or they'll be playing in Atlanta if it's Buffalo. But I think Jacksonville has been a cool story. I think they're going to play hard. They're going to play good. But I think KC's just, they're just too good. It's just too much. I'm with you. I got Chiefs in this one, 33-24. Um, I think it, the Jags got a shot in the first half to stick around, like I just said. But um, at home, Mahomes is just writing on the wall already, I think. Yep, I agree. Um, Saturday night, you got an NFC East showdown. I got to say, NFC East, big-time wildcard winners here. Who, Three out of who four the teams. hell would have thought three out of the last four standings would be from the NFC East? Crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Wild, yeah. So you got Giants, Eagles. This is like this just brings back a ton of memories from like back in the day when we were like seven, eight years old, and it was Donovan McNabb against Eli Manning in the playoffs. Like they, like this is like Giants, Eagles playoffs. This is what that kind of reminds me of. And instead, you got Daniel Jones, kind of like a young Eli Manning mm-hmm. against Jalen Hurts, who you can make some comparisons. Kind of like a young Donovan McNabb in many ways. Now you got these two going at it in 2020, 2023 now. Eagles coming off. I think this is a big week for them in terms of the bye week getting healthy. Jalen Hurts getting an extra week to recover. A.J. Brown, they were getting kind of dinged up near the end of the season. So getting that bye week was big. But I think this Giants team is just fearless. Like they don't get scared of anything. No, 100%, man. They don't scare – they're not scared at all. 
Bro, I've seen this movie twice before. Like, this is exactly the kind of Giants team that will find a way to just do some damage, man. I, I'm taking the Giants here, and I'm riding them. All the oh way, my man. lord! I'm I'm fully invested in the New York Football Giants, man. I got them here, um, 27-21. This is I've seen this movie two times in my life, man. I, I, I still get nightmares about it. I, which is why I'm shocked that I never thought I would hear those words out of a New England Patriots fan. I'm riding high with the New York football Giants. But, hey, I guess it is what it is. I mean, these are two teams that beat your squad in Super Bowl. So, like, who gives a crap? Um, I'm going to take Philly. They're at home. They got a, they got a bye week here. But it, it's going to be a close game. I like the Eagles by 3-24-21. The Giants will stick around for the whole game. And this is a team, think about it. The Eagles had majority of their starters playing in week 18. The Giants benched most of their starters and they lost by five. And they were still right there. Yeah. Yeah. They hung with them. Now you got their starters. This is another game where it's like the Giants lost a close game to the Vikings and they were like, we know we can beat them. And then they did it. This is kind of another game here. And mind you, the Eagles beat the snot out of them back in week 14. I don't think the Giants have forgotten about that. They would love to repay the favor and beat the Eagles and have the Eagles go one and done here. Oh, man, you're making me kind of wanting to switch sides here, but I'm going to stick with Philly by three, 24-21. But the Giants, they're not going to go away. That game against um, when they benched all their starters, too, is like they were not showing anything. They knew that they were going to get in. And they're like, we're probably we we got a good shot that we're gonna play this team again in the playoffs. We're not gonna show nothing. And that was uh the Eagles needed to take care of business and win that one. So I think Dable's got a, a card up his sleep for sure in this one. Hundred percent. Hundred percent he does. Hundred percent. All right, Sunday's game. Both both of these games should be awesome. Like honestly, must watch TV both games here. Um, so we're gonna get the rematch. The the we, we knew it was probably going to happen at some point in the playoffs, but the anticipated rematch of the Bengals and the Bills of the game that never happened, now it's happening. Divisional weekend in Orchard Park. Bengals, Bills, 3 o'clock Sunday. Man, this is going to be something else. I'm looking at the biggest matchup here, the one that you kind of brought up a few minutes ago. This Bills def- defensive front against the Bengals offensive line. How can the Bengals' O-line hold up against this Bills' D front? This Bills' D hasn't been good, but if they can get to Burrow with this banged-up O-line, that, I think, is going to be the difference in this game. Yeah, it's definitely cause for concern. But um, the one thing I was thinking about was the guys that they're subbing in back on their O-line are the same dudes that they went to the Super Bowl with last year, right? So. Normally, when you lose your continuity on the offensive line, that's kind of screwed. But now you're just plugging in dudes that you rode all the way to the Super Bowl last year. So I feel like, I mean, the talent might not there. The continuity should be okay. And then they kind of catch a good break because nobody in the AFC really has got a crazy pass rush either. So um, hopefully some of those guys will heal up by the time they need that. I mean, I'm not expecting the Bills pass rush to be a big, big factor in this game regardless. Hopefully, Jonah Williams has a dislocated kneecap. That doesn't sound like I'm going to try and play on Sunday. Alex Kappa has an ankle injury. Now, if they can get him at least in their red guard, I think that might help to say the least. But you're right. The guys that they're trying out there on the O-line are guys that were starting in the Super Bowl a year ago. So it's not like, you know, we're totally screwed. But those are also guys that struggled mightily at times in the postseason. That's what I'm kind of worried about here for the Bengals. And Buffalo, you're on the road, hostile environment. The Bills want it. Like, I just get a sense where, like, they like they want this badly. And I feel like when it comes down to in the trenches, I just think the Bills are going to end up getting it out. But this is going to be – I get both these games on Sunday are going to be nuts. I got the Bills 33-30 against the Bengals. I just think when push comes to sub at the end here – Bill's defense is going to make a stop. I know they've been horrible of late, but they're going to make a stop. Just I don't trust that Bengals O-line if it's not healthy. I'm taking the Bengals here, 31-27. I feel like the Bengals were going to win that game that they played earlier. 
if it happened. I felt like the Bengals, that was just like they were coming out for blood in that game. I felt like they were going to win that game. And I feel like this is their chance to get that one back. And then I also, I really am not trusting Josh Allen. I think it's going to come down to that last drive, and I think we're going to see a Josh Allen turnover. Sheesh. It is going to come down to I Honestly, it's going to be one of those games where whoever's got the ball last type things. And those are my favorite games. And I think it's like you've got three, again, the three dudes that are getting, and we, we talked about, we've been talking about for a while of how, you know, Brady, Manning, and Roethlisberger ruled the AFC for the last two decades or so, not even, by a decade. No, it was, no, it was kind of more about, about two, two decades or a decade and a half. Now, Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow. I think th- these three dudes are going to be the Brady, the Manning, and the Roethlisberger. It's these three dudes that are going to be ruling the AFC for the next, the next decade or so. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know who's going to come out. But anytime two of these dudes face each other, it comes down to the end who has the ball last. I think this game is going to be one of those. Burrow gets the ball last or Allen gets the ball last. It's going to come down to that. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I I, I think um, just the bank. I just I don't know. I'm getting a sense with the Bengals, man. I feel like that that game on that Monday night was theirs, and they knew it, and they they're pissed that they didn't get to win that game because they would have had the the two seed, and it's just like I think they're coming out hot. I think they're coming out hot. Yeah, and again, the Bengals are also the defending AFC champions, right? People people can't forget that. All right, now blast from the past. Well, we had the match last season. The Niners beat the Cowboys and Jerry World on wildcard weekend. It almost seems as if we're kind of getting it's a it's a new a new generation of this rivalry of Cowboys 49ers. This used to be the most iconic, the most intense rivalry in football back in the 90s. Now we have it back to back years in the postseason. Cowboys at 49ers to round off divisional weekend, 6.30 Eastern time on Fox at Levi Stadium. This should be a heck of a ball game. No doubt, man. I'm, I can't I – mean, I was really surprised and impressed with the Cowboys. Um, both teams are coming in hot now. I'm, I'm going with your Niners, man. I just – I can't see a fly in this team. I think they're just unbeatable right now, and I'm going to take them 34-24. Um, I can't really see a way in which – I mean, Dak's going to have to be perfect again. But even then, Schultz is going to have to go off. CD's going to have to do his thing. And Pollard – I mean, they're just going to have to have the perfect game all over again. They're going to have to. And they're going to have to play a perfect game on offense. They're going to have to force some turnovers on defense. They're going to have to rattle this team. And that's the thing is, it seems as if – you can try and rattle Brock Purdy, but I don't know if this dude just gets rattled. And we're going to find out on Sunday night. Is Brock Purdy, does this dude actually truly get rattled or not? We'll find out. At times he has. The Raiders kind of rattled him for a little bit. Still didn't work. Seattle kind of had him on his toes for the first half. Still couldn't do it. Can the Dallas Cowboys do it? Now, this was a coaching matchup I talked about a year ago when these two teams met in the wildcard round, and I'm going to talk about it again. Kyle Shanahan and Dan Quinn know each other very, very well from coaching in Atlanta. And I have to say, the way this Niners offense has been with Brock Purdy, it's looking just as hot as that Atlanta Falcons offense used to be with Kyle Shanahan. Like, that Falcons offense was dropping 40 a game. This Niners offense is dropping 34 a game. They're just as potent as that Falcons offense was. and that, Now, that Falcons offense was different, but the Niners offense is playing like that. But these are two coaches that know each other very, very well. Should be a heck of a coaching matchup between Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan. Yep. I'm, I'm with you. Wait, who did you say who you took? Who, who you taking? I'm taking the Niners 34-31. 34-31. All yeah, right. 34, so you got, a, you got in a close game. Is it come down? You're telling a, a Purdy game-winning drive on this, or what's going on over here? No, I think the Niners get a stop. I think Dallas, stop. Dallas Dallas, get the ball late. Niners end up getting a stop on fourth down. It's a wrap. I just think it's going to come down to that. If the Niners can control time of possession, run the football. That's the thing. Tampa, they did not force turnovers. They couldn't run the football. This is so different. Dallas may have stopped Tampa, but Tampa couldn't run the football for crap all year long. The Niners, that is the foundation of what they do. If Dallas finds a way to stop the Niners run game, which literally nobody 
has been able to do. That's going to be the key. You got to make Brock Purdy win you the game. You know what I'm saying? Don't let McCaffrey and Debo and Elijah Mitchell run the ball down your throat, and it's going to be a long day for you. You do that, the Niners are going to the NFC Championship game for the second year in a row. Dallas has to be able to slow down the Niners here. That's the only way they're going to be able to, mm-hmm. to win this game. But I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to this matchup, man, I think. But again, if the Niners can force some turnovers out of Dak, it's over. It's over. Like you said, Dak has to play. He played a perfect game last night. He's going to need to do it again against the Snyder's defense. That is 50 times better than the Buccaneers defense he played last night. Yeah, I'm with you, man. These matchups, I mean, are just killer all across. I mean, even the the ones that are a bit, you know, lopsided, it's like still a Lawrence Mahomes matchup. You know, like I'm down to watch that. These matchups are just killer right now. Agreed. Agreed. I, I'm looking at Sunday's matches, man. Bengals, Bills, Nuts, Cowboys, Niners, Nuts. Jaguars Chiefs should be interesting. Giants Eagles could be interesting too. Um, but we'll see what happens, man. Should be fun. Should be a fun divisional matchup, uh, matchups this weekend. And then we'll see who ends up playing in the final four AFC and NFC championship games a week from this or this coming weekend. It'll be a week after that. Final thoughts, Pete. Yeah, I mean the Cowboys are on two less days of uh preparation and rest in this one too. True which that. is definitely not gonna be uh like I, I can't believe that happened. How do you how does the NFL schedule that? That makes no sense to me. I think that's why they got the late game on Sunday, but still, yeah, to have the Niners play the first game and then the Cowboys play the last game, yeah, that is kind of that is a, a pretty unfair advantage for sure. Yeah, I mean definitely, I mean the Cowboys are the ones that probably need that too more than uh, the Niners, but I get that's what happens when you uh when you win you don't win your division. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. But we'll see what happens, folks. Thanks for listening. It's another great episode here on the island. And we will see y'all next week. Enjoy Divisional Weekend. Four great matchups. Let us know who you who you got this coming weekend in those matchups. And, of course, don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. And we'll see y'all next week when we'll preview the Final Four AFC Championship, NFC Championship, one of my favorite episodes to preview Championship Sunday. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baller Island. Keep it locked and stay tuned. We got a lot more sports content coming your way. And don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.